0: Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that we might be, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore let us not pass judgment one on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Romans chapter 14, Paul is comforting the Roman believers with the gospel. By recentering the Roman believers on the gospel, he can put all of their problems, all of their sufferings into perspective and help them find happiness and joy. Happiness and joy, by the way, are not the same thing. Happiness is the state of being confident and secure. It is knowing that God holds you in the palm of his hand and that you are okay. You may not feel joyful. You may feel very upset, but you're still happy because you feel confident and secure. Joy is joy. I'm happy, for lack of a better word. It's, it's Joy is when you're excited, when you're feeling very positive about something. What the Apostle Paul is doing through the book of Romans is he's helping these believers in Rome who are enduring persecution, who are going through hard times, find happiness and joy in the gospel. And in this passage, he promotes unity among the believers by addressing some of the smaller issues that cause division, and he addresses them in light of the gospel. Isn't life so much better when we're getting along? I mean, don't, don't you think so? It's more peaceful. You're more at rest. You're able to enjoy things better when we're at peace. When we're in conflict, we're always angsty. We're worried about the other side's next move. How can I validate myself? Conflict, although necessary at times, and at times even healthy, it's not the way you want to spend your entire life. And so the Apostle Paul is promoting unity to the Roman believers There's a lot of divisions. There's a lot of different ideas. People have different ideas about things, even going back to Paul's day and these believers in Rome. But he's going to promote unity by bringing them back to the gospel. There are a lot of divisions within Christianity. Bible translations. King James Version versus a modern translation. Tribulation. Does it happen before tribulation? Tribulation happens. The rapture. Does it happen before the tribulation or does it happen after the tribulation? Do we celebrate Easter and Christmas or do we not celebrate Easter and Christmas? You think that doesn't sound very controversial to me, Leland. There are divisions within Christianity about whether or not we should recognize Easter and whether we should celebrate Christmas. Worship styles, traditional hymns, Contemporary, do we hold hymnals? Do we distribute pamphlets? Do we use the screen and put the lyrics on the screen? Do we sing to a piano? Do we sing a cappella? Do we have a pipe? Or a pipe organ would be nice. We could, anyway. Um, guitars and drums. Uh, Jessica's grandfather pastored a cowboy church in Peyton, Colorado. The Saturday night service was the cowboy service, they had a bluegrass band. And then they had a contemporary worship service at 8 o'clock Sunday morning, and then they had your traditional piano suit and tie Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And so you had three different styles of worship right there in that same church. They were not divided. They just worshiped at different times according to different styles. But worship styles, and I could go down the list. I I could talk about gap theory or not gap theory. I could... And I have some very strong opinions on that, but we're not going to go there, okay? There's all these different issues. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Nobody ever argues about that, but that's a safe thing to go with. Because nobody's going to get upset about you about Adam and Eve's belly buttons. You know, all these different things that we're divided about within Christianity. Paul is going to address these divisions by telling us that God did not appoint us to judge or oversee each other. That we will all stand or fall before God on our own. And then he tells us something revolutionary. The things that your brother in Christ does, he does for the Lord. He does in response to the gospel. And if your brother is doing something to honor God, why would you interfere with that? Why would you try to derail that? And to understand Romans 14 and to be able to live Romans 14, we have to learn to assume the best in each other. And that's something we don't like to do. But we, learn, we have to learn to try to see the other as having good intentions. That they're not trying to rebel against me. They're not trying to rebel against God. They're not trying to mount a re- revolution in the church. But that they're really trying to honor God with what they do and what they believe and how they study the Bible and how they live. In Romans 14, we see that we are not to pass judgment on one another, for God has welcomed us all. If you are here and you know the Lord is your Savior, God has welcomed you. Who am I to do anything else? Secondly, that our differences in worship can still be done from the heart. You know that? We can sing hymns a cappella from the heart. Or we can get a praise band in here. Or a bluegrass band. I don't think anybody's tried swing band uh, worship. John, let's work on that. You can do that for the Lord. You can do that with the right heart. That Differences in worship can still be done from the heart. And finally, that we are not to sabotage the work of the Lord by quibbling over these minor details. First, we are not to pass judgment on one another, for God has welcomed us. Verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions and i do see a lot of that in the christian world today the one who they have names for each other i heard a new one this week molinism i don't know what that is um but somebody called another person on one of the boards i follow a molinist okay that's not good that's not good to give ourselves titles. I'm a Molinist. You're an Armenian. You're a Calvinist. You're a dispensationalist. But anyway, and if none of those words meant anything to you, you're doing good. You are doing good. But verse 1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The one who is weak in the faith I think the Apostle Paul had the ability to be a little sarcastic because you don't see him picking sides in this debate in chapter 14. He's speaking to everybody. So he's telling those who eat not to despise the ones who don't eat because they're weak in the faith. He's telling those who don't eat not to despise the ones who eat because they're weak in the faith. He says, the one who is weak in the faith. This is as much of a sarcastic comment I can see the apostle Paul making anywhere in the scriptures. The one who is weak in the faith. Think about it. Don't we all think of ourselves as being spiritually mature? Do you think you're on the right path? Do you think you're learning and growing and you're figuring this thing out? Yeah, I know you don't want to admit it right now because we need to be humble too. Yeah. But I mean, does it, don't people tend to think of themselves as spiritually mature as having an understanding of the truth? Don't people tend to think of themselves like that? And people who don't think like you, do we not tend to think of people who think differently as needing more time to spiritually mature, needing more time to grow, needing more time to study? Think of it like this. Have you ever noticed that everyone who drives faster than you is crazy? And everyone who drives slower than you is an idiot. Have you ever noticed that? Don't be looking at each other. I'm gonna go over here so I don't get anybody in trouble for a while. <laughs> people who drive faster than you are crazy. People who drive slower than you are idiots. Have you ever noticed that? We think of that we think that way. Many times people think that way in the spiritual realm as well. That people who think like I do have got it together. People who do not think like I do, they still got some things to learn. They still got to figure this out. They still need to be taught. Paul is sarcastically saying be nice to the idiots and leave them alone. He's saying that with sarcasm, but he's saying for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, be nice to him, welcome him, but don't quarrel over opinions. We are to welcome the one who is weak in the faith. We are to welcome brothers and sisters in Christ, even if they differ, even if they differ. We are not to welcome them on the condition that they, that they conform, and we are not to welcome them than give them a hard time. We are to welcome them, period. End of story, end of the book, sign the paper, cut the check. We are to welcome the one who is weak in the faith. And he begins to expound on this in verses two through three. He says, the one person believes he may eat anything. I like that guy. While the weak person eats only vegetables. I should like that guy. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Now, this evidently was a big debate in Paul's day. Do we follow the food law or do we not follow the food law? Are we allowed to eat the meat offered to idols, which is pretty much all meat in the city of Rome at this time? Or do we need to stick to the vegetables? This must have been a common debate in Paul's day as to what to do regarding food laws and regarding customs. And there were those who felt under grace, they were living under grace, They understood the grace of the Lord. They understood God's forgiveness, his redemption, his reconciliation, and that all things were lawful and to be received with thanksgiving. They felt under grace that all was to be received with thanksgiving, which means you can eat bacon, okay? They'll be received with thanksgiving. And they felt this way under grace. This was their response to the gospel. God has made all things freely available to us, and he has given us all these great things to eat. Eat them and enjoy them and give thanks to God and praise him for his bountiful blessing. They're doing this under grace. They're doing this in faith. And then there were those who felt that by obeying the food laws or at least a healthy diet, they were honoring God. It was the only proper thing to do in response to what God did on the cross through Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ can go to the cross and die for my sins and redeem me and be buried and rise again, then the very least I can do is not to associate myself with the idolatrous worship that comes with purchasing meat because they couldn't just go buy hamburger meat at the grocery store back then. And so, you know, so instead of associating myself with that, Instead of buying the meat that was offered to idols and thus allowing some of my money to go toward supporting that cause, I'll stick to the vegetables. And this is how I'm going to respond to the gospel. This is how I think I'm honoring God. They are both doing what they believe God would have them to do. They are both living for the Lord. They are both wanting to to, uh, to honor God. These two are not to despise each other. And they are not to pass judgment on each other. Why? Because God has welcomed them both. And if God has welcomed them both, who are we not to? Who are we not to? Verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, the Apostle Paul asked that question. Who are you? I'm not asking your identity. I'm not asking your name and address and phone number and title. I'm asking, who are you? Standing, social status, rank. Who do you think you are? I love of the Alice in Wonderland, the original animated version, where you got the there's a caterpillar that was on the mushroom with the, with a hookah pipe, and he's you know, t- talking to Alice. Who are you? I mean, he's asking her not for her name. She told him that like a million times. But he's asking her who does she think she is? Who are you? Who do you think you are to pass judgment? on the servant of another you see your brothers and sisters in christ were not called to be your servant we are called to serve one another in love but none of y'all are called to be my servants y'all are not my peoples in the authoritarian sense y'all are my peoples in terms of the family sense but y'all are not my servants and while i am the pastor and therefore the minister and the scriptures teach that I am, to, I am to serve. I'm not your servant. I'm God's servant. Mm-hmm. Your brothers and sisters in Christ were not called to be your servant. And their calling in life is not to please you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ were called to serve God. And their calling in life is to please him. It is to God that your brothers and sisters are called to serve. And it is before God that your brothers and sisters in Christ will either stand or they will fall. He will do the judging. And I love the way Paul wraps up verse 4, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Mm-hmm. What a comfort. Mm-hmm. That God is able to make them stand. So you don't have to worry about your brother in Christ who's only eating vegetables. He will stand before God in judgment, and God will make him able to stand in that judgment. And he will make us stand as well. I don't have confidence in judgment day because I feel like I've done a good job here. Because I don't. I feel confident in judgment day because I know that the Lord is able to work through me and transform me and do what it takes to make me be able to stand before the Lord in judgment and to be welcomed into his kingdom and to hear well done good and faithful servant Mm -hmm. my confidence is not in myself my confidence is in the Lord Mm -hmm. I blow it I blow it sometimes I totally mess it up But God is able to take that, use that for his honor and glory, correct me, fix me, repair me, and one day I will stand before him in judgment. And he will welcome me into his kingdom. That's where my confidence is. And my confidence toward you guys is not in who you are. It's not in what you're able to do for me, what you're able to do for the church. My confidence for you guys is what the Lord is able to do in your lives and how he is able to work in you. And that's a comfort. I'm not here to hold y'all accountable. I am not the general manager of LifePoint Baptist Church. I am not the CEO. I am not the regional sales leader. I'm not the one who is calling you to account, and I have no authority to call you to account. My job is to equip you so that you can serve the Lord and according to your conscience the way the Lord has called you to serve him. I see people get so upset. I see preachers get so upset. They, they're they doing this. They're they're worshiping this way. They're using that Bible. How dare they use that Bible translation? We had a church in New Mexico that had to close its doors. I don't want to go into why, but it was bad. Bad situation. Church in New Mexico closes its doors, and they sold the building to another religious organization it was a non-denominational community church but more or less like faith and order as we are but not one of our sister american baptist association churches of course there are no american baptist association of churches uh, aba churches within a couple hundred miles of out of of this particular town anyway they sold the building to another group and there's a preacher that got on facebook and was throwing a fit that they sold this building to another group Like, why is that your problem? Did you donate the money to build it or to buy it? He didn't, I can tell you that. I don't even have to look at his finances. I don't have to look at his bank statements. I know this guy's finances. He didn't contribute anything toward that. What made you their overseer? And what right do you have to correct what they did? I see this. When I was a kid, you know, you have to bow your head and close your eyes to say the prayer before snack time at vacation Bible school and one kid didn't close his eyes, and it really upset this other kid that this other kid didn't close his eyes. Who made you the one to make sure that all the, everybody's eyes got closed? Mm-hmm. And how could you tell his eyes were open? Yeah, see, we're not called to oversee each other. We're not called to hold each other to account. We are not called to lord over each other. We are God's servants. He'll be the judge. Now you say, what about adultery, Leland? We're not talking about adultery. We're not talking about sin. We're not talking about open rebellion against God. We're talking about these theological differences, these these differences on these small matters. That's what we're talking about. God is able to make a stand and we serve the Lord. And the ones who do not think like we do, uh, tongue in cheek, the weaker brethren, we're to welcome them because God has welcomed them. We're not to sit here and say, well, we couldn't welcome him into our our congregation. He didn't believe the rapture like we do. That's not for us to decide. That's not for us to deal with. Secondly, our differences in worship and lifestyle can still be done with the right heart toward the Lord. Y'all know that? You can believe in pre-tribulation rapture and I can believe in post-tribulation rapture, but we're both looking forward to the Lord coming. And that's where our faith is. You know what? We both got the right heart for the Lord. One of us is wrong, and I hope it's me. I hope I'm the one, I, I, I believe in the post tribulation rapture. I hope I'm wrong about that. I mean, I've been, I mean, at some point I'm going to be wrong because I was a pre tribulation rapture before I was a post tribulation rapture guy. So at some point, I'm going to be wrong at some point. I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope we're snapped out of here beforehand. I don't want to see it. Our differences in worship and lifestyle can still be done with the right heart toward the Lord. Verse 5. One person esteems a day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And note that, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The debate of Paul's day was whether to observe the Sabbath or not, whether to observe the festival days or not, okay? The contemporary version of this in our world is whether or not to celebrate Easter or Christmas. Do we celebrate those? Where does this question come from? This is where we take these questions into account. Those of us who celebrate Easter use the day to remember and refocus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which ties back into the gospel, which we begin celebrating back on Good Friday when we when we commemorate the death of Christ. We're remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The entire weekend speaks to the gospel. And we hold the sunrise services, and we hold public events, and we invite everyone to church so that we can all be remembered, reminded of the gospel, and we celebrate Easter. And the eggs and chocolate are just fun and delicious. But we gather everybody together to celebrate Easter to be reminded of the gospel. I think we do that with pure intentions. I think we do that with pure hearts. But there are those who do not celebrate Easter. What are they, Commies? No. They don't celebrate Easter because they know the history. How the Catholic Church co-opted a pagan holiday to make Catholicism more palatable to the pagan people who were being forced to convert. The name Easter comes from a Norse god's name. And they feel like they are honoring God by keeping pagan roots out of Christianity and out of the story of the gospel. I think that's a pretty good motivation too, don't you think? So when someone tells me they don't celebrate Easter invited I invited someone to sunrise service said, oh we don't celebrate Easter okay just want to didn't want you to you know feel left out have a blessed day whatever the side of the table you find yourself on be fully convinced in your mind study it out be settled be able to defend in Scripture your viewpoint with proper context while rightly dividing the Word of God but understand That the person on the other side of the table is doing the same thing. We go back to the rapture. I can line out verses. The pre-tribulation rapture uh, believer can line out verses. We're both doing the best we can in Bible interpretation. The one who celebrates Easter celebrates the death, burial, and resurrection. They're commemorating that weekend that it happened. The one who doesn't celebrate Easter is keeping the gospel in their mind. They're keeping the gospel pure. Both have good intentions. We can both worship and live our lifestyle and be done. We can both be done with the right heart toward the Lord. Uh, Brother Paul Clark brought a devotional before a state meeting one year. And he talked about how Paul and Barnabas had that falling out before the second missionary journey and they split up. And, and Brother Clark said, who was right? Paul or Barnabas? Or maybe they were both right. It is possible. Verse 6, the one who observes the day observes it and honor the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the other who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Paul addresses everything we just discussed by telling us what we do, we do for the Lord. If your brother is living for the Lord, why would you rebuke him? Verses 7 and 8, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Mm -hmm. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Mm -hmm. All of us who know the Lord, we live for him and we die for him. We all belong to the Lord. That's why he gave his life on the cross, so that we could be redeemed to him and we could be his. Not each other's, but his. That should be unifying. That should bring us together. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And finally, we are not to sabotage the work of the Lord by quarreling over the details. Verses 13 through 15. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Conflicts like this can divide the body and can undermine the faith and spiritual growth of some. When you have a man that believes that he shouldn't eat meat for the glory of the Lord, and you're constantly putting chicken fried steak in front of him, you are encouraging him to go against his conscience. You are encouraging him to go against the voice inside him that's saying, honor the Lord. You are encouraging him, even though there's no sin in eating chicken fried steak, by encouraging him to violate his conscience to eat the chicken fried steak, you are causing him to adopt a mindset of rebellion. And if your devotion to one of these issues is causing problems for someone else, you're not walking in love toward them. You're walking in the desire to be right, to convert someone to your way of thinking. And that's not walking in love. In fact, we're not even to love people based on what we think they could be someday. We are to love people based on who they are today. You are not loving people if you're only loving a fantasized version of them that complies with everything you want them to comply with. You love people if you can love them where they are. Do not destroy, do not conquer, or do not undermine the weaker brethren for whom Christ died. Mm -hmm. You're destroying God's work in their lives. Verses 17 through 18 for the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit whoever thus serves christ is acceptable to god and approved by men so then let us pursue what makes for peace for peace and mutual upbuilding the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating is not a matter of drinking it's not a matter of holidays. It's not a matter of the finer points of doctrine. God is not going to welcome me into his kingdom one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You converted everybody into a post-tribulation rapture believer. He's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You got everybody to, to sing from a hymnal. Well done, good and faithful servant. You taught everybody to eat meat and to chow down on chicken fried steak. He's not going to tell me any of that. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. What's important to the Lord is righteousness. And what he brings us is righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit. So let's pursue those things. And let's pursue the things that build us all up together. And in verse 20, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Do not, for the sake of food, drive division and create conflict in the Lord's church. Do not For the sake of your theological hobby horse, drive division and create conflict in the church. Mm -hmm. Do not, for the sake of what you read on alexjones.com, tear down the faith of another. We had a lady, Jessica and I have been ministering to this lady and her children for years. Years. She starts coming to church. She starts bringing her children. There's some spiritual progression happening there, and she asked a prayer request one day to pray for her son. He had just been diagnosed with ADD, or maybe it was ADHD. I'm not going to get into that issue. I'm not going to debate that issue this morning. I will tell you that there is another woman in the church that believed that ADD was a made-up disease, that it was a government conspiracy to tear our children away from us and to turn them all into communist, godless rebels. And so she went to this to this mother and got onto her. The problem is not ADD. The problem is lack of discipline. Now you need to get him to act right. Here are some herbal, met, so the the vitamins you can give him. But ADD is not. And she lit in on on her. And the lady that we had been ministering to all those years, she didn't come to me with this. Until a long time later, where have you been? She's like, well, here's what happened. She just quit coming. She just ran for her life. There was a lot of ministry, a lot of work that had been done in this lady's life that got turned upside down because somebody read something on a website, and for a new believer who has just started their walk with the Lord, feels like they've got to beat her in submission with this website and these vitamins. No, we don't do that. That's not who we are. That's not what God wants us to do. Do not, for the sake of your personal hang-ups, destroy the faith of another. Mm -hmm. We are here to minister. We are here to build up. We are here to reach and to teach. Do not undermine that. I have things that I believe that I hold pretty strong opinions on. You may have noticed. You have things that you believe that you have pretty strong opinions on. And I have noticed. And a lot of times I try to dance clear of those, and sometimes I hit them head on, and sometimes I step into them without realizing I've stepped into them. And that's all well and good. You disagree with me on something, you can and you and you have studied this out in the scriptures. You have evaluated the scriptures as best as you can understand, and this is the conclusion you've come to. Now, I'm happy with that. And I have studied my positions out, and I've come to some conclusions. And I'm settled in those, and I'm happy with that. Now, if you tell me that this is what you believe because a famous preacher on television or radio or in the newspaper believes it, I'm going to tell you you need to study that out a little bit more. Because you need to believe for yourself and not just because somebody else told you. Sure. If I were to be called home, and the only thing y'all could tell people is things that Brother Leland used to say, and you can't tell them scripture, I have failed here. I have failed here. When the Lord calls me home, if nobody remembers me except for my wife and my kids, I'm okay with that. It'd be cool to have a Acker Seminary for the advancement of theological studies. I'm not going to lie, that would be cool, but that's not my goal here. And that's not even a possibility. Or just That was just a stupid thing to say. But we're here... To grow in our faith and to grow together and to be unified in the gospel. Now, if the doctrine contradicts the gospel, undermines the gospel, de-emphasizes the gospel, then, yeah, we got some problems. We need to deal with this. But if we're sitting here trying to figure out Adam and Eve's belly button situation, whether or not King Saul was saved, um, when the rapture is going to be, uh, what street am I going to live on in the new Jerusalem, and all these other kind of things that we like to argue about, We're not to make a deal of that. We're to be focused on what's really important. And that is the gospel. How Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures.